What's going on, everyone? It's Mitch from RespectMyReason.com coming back with another episode of the North American Weed Tour podcast, looking at the best in legal cannabis across the map. Today, joined by special guest Tom Dolan, VP of Media of Jane Technologies. How are you doing today, Tom? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me. Excited to have you on here, man. We got we got derailed a little bit due to due to a case of the the COVID, man. But we we back online. I, I threw some shots at you in the email saying you weren't willing to Michael Jordan through the flu game, man. But uh, but we made it happen, man. We made it happen. We sure did, man. It got me, but uh, I'm back. I'm feeling. I'm I'm back. I'm uh, live from New York and uh, feeling so much better. So thank you. Thanks I for bearing that. with me. Yeah, no, it's it's all that's the, the the best part of this last year has been or last year, last two years, it feels like a year, but the last couple of years that have blended together have just been for me, just the understanding, you know, I, I feel like I'm uh, rather on the skewed to the side of understanding uh, the spectrum of understanding in general. But this last year have just made it ever aware that, you know, you just don't know what's going on in someone's life, even when we're at home, working from home, seemingly everything should be easy and accessible just a wrench out of left field could be thrown in your day and just ruin everything, man. I mean, seeing other people's perspective and just being grateful for what you have is like, that's the takeaway from the last couple of years and just meeting people where they're at. So uh, I appreciate you uh, moving this and giving me some space. Thanks, Mitch. Absolutely. Absolutely. Man. Hey, we've had a couple episodes where like kids have been crying in the background and people are feel so fine. I'm like, bro, I, I love it. And the same thing. I'll, I'll be in the call sometimes with, with uh, clients or something and my son will be asking me, I'm like, hold on. And like, no, don't just let him. I love this, man. I, I'm a parent. I love it. And again, it's just that, that, that understanding. I think everybody's, you know, just being patient with one another, man. That's what we got to do. Uh, well, before we get to too much into Jane, I want to dive into yourself a little bit. I kick off every episode with our guest origin story around the plant, the plant being cannabis. So whether that's personal, professional, or whatever you feel, choose to be vulnerable and sharing. I'm just kind of curious when, when you and cannabis started your relationship. Yeah, sure. I, I'll share a little bit of both. I mean, I, they're kind of interrelated, but uh, God, you know, I've seen the plan help, help a lot of people from when I was a kid. I had a grandmother um, suffered from glaucoma, eventually going blind. This is 30 years ago. Her doctor said, Hey, you know, I'm not supposed to do this, but why don't you try uh, cannabis? And it was the one thing that helped her uh, get through it through, you know, college, seeing friends with social anxiety disorders and medicating on the plant, being in the creative industry and seeing it open people's minds. Me personally right now, uh, being a dad like yourself, being a weekend fitness guy, you know, it's part of part of my wellness routine from sleep to pain relief to, you know, just being present. And so uh, professionally, how, that, how that's related is, you know, long career in marketing from creative agencies through marketing technology companies and things like that. My last couple of years was with a startup and just so blessed to have this ride of we IPO'd it and we uh, sold it to another company. And I went from a leadership team in a startup to leadership team in this multi-billion dollar, 10,000 person company. And I was just miserable. And I, and I walked away realizing like, I, I like the journey. I like to scale things uh, and started consulting and, you know, was super blessed to meet Sock and the founding team at Jane. And I mean, really quickly, I realized these were special people on a special mission about safe access to the plant. And if I was able to, you know, combine my professional passions, which is scaling a business, growing leaders, growing people with 
a personal passion, which is safe access to a plant. Imagine if like people like my grandmother 30 years ago had access to, to treat that way, uh, how it would change the world. So it's just been a, you know, an awesome journey and a, and a pleasure. And I'm honored to like, um, uh, it's, I'm a really lucky person that gets to work on, you know, leverage my skill set in an industry that I'm super passionate about. And how has it been, you know, obviously cannabis is a, you know, Jane is a startup, relatively new startup in the, an incredibly, you know, startup industry, right? Can the cannabis industry has not been along very, you know, been around very long. Um, how was it going from, do you feel like that just tra traditional, and when I use it in this sense, I mean just non-cannabis, non-cannabis startup realm prepared you for cannabis or how much of the nuances and the craziness in this industry do you feel like are just nothing can almost prepare you for that? Oh man, uh, a little of both, right? Like I, I think I've had my own startup. I, I've joined other startups, you know, the chaos, the pace, the hyper growth, uh, you know, there are no, there's nowhere to hide. There's no cushy positions. Everybody's got to roll up their sleeves, be super involved in the business um, and really truly believe in the business. I mean, obviously those are the tenets of, uh, of startup life. As far as the cannabis industry, you know, I don't think anything could prepare you for that. You know, it, the changes day to day, uh, you know, the volatility, but also, you know, it's an amazing space because there's so many pain points. There's so much white space. We're writing it as we go. So, you know, yeah, it's hard, but I think in the cracks between what's difficult creates tremendous, tremendous opportunities. So if you're a startup person who likes to, you know, change the convention, try new things, uh, fix pain points, it's the, it's the best industry I've, I've ever been involved in. There, there's just so much work to be done. And, you know, it's a, also a industry where there's just tremendous camaraderie and and if and so much room for growth and if we just all kind of grow the industry in a responsible way it, it, there's so much room for every player to to be really successful i love that man and that's i was just telling an aunt over over the weekend at my at my son's birthday they were just talking about the cannabis industry they, somebody previously cannabis industry had joined her company which is not in the cannabis and she's like oh he's Oh, it was saying not anything like that. Like, oh, I expected him to be a bad dude, but it was like, oh, this is such a good dude. And I was like, well, man, my experience with cannabis is so many people's like purpose and why, whether it's, you know, through relative or personal is attached to this plant. And you just find so many, you know, if you have an industry where people's just purpose and why is rooted in it, it's much different than I, I know Jane is tech, but it's tech in cannabis as opposed to like my wife. And I know a lot of friends in the Seattle area that work in tech where it's like, they're there for the bag. Maybe they like the, the tech and, and moving and helping people, but a lot of people are in just non-cannabis tech, right? For there's a bag there. And it's that's the main reason they're keeping them there. Yeah. Whereas cannabis, everyone kind of chooses to to join this uh this car that's being built on the road that's not quite paved yet because of passion and purpose. Yeah, you know, the way I talk about like I, I've been really grateful to, you know, have a career, do a lot of different things, lead sales oriented teams, strategic teams, things like that. Joining Jane, joining this industry, um, um, this is the first time I'm part of a mission-based team, if, if that makes sense, right? Like it truly is about safe access and bringing wellness and, you know, growing this industry. I've never experienced that before. And, uh, you know, that, that sense of camaraderie, that sense of pride in what we do, that, that hope for the future is just like an awesome thing that can can unite us all and, and keep us motivated through, you know, <laughs> the volatility and the crazy times that come as well.
Absolutely. And, and, and on that, that subject of, you know, providing safe access, obviously Jane has been powering, you know, dispensaries with e-commerce menus. It's been one of the core product offerings and working with brands, which we'll dive in a little in a, in a second, but you know, the consumer facing app launched here uh, pretty recently, which is, uh, you know, for me, it's like the natural progression. If you, if you're, if you're launching all these e-commerce menus, then you have a centralized hub where consumers can go look at and they can further connect people to obviously the retailers, the clients. I know there's a conversation. Sometimes there's an outside conversation of two different products that might potentially have served two different purposes. What's the balance of working them together? I personally, from a complete outside perspective, see how they intertwine and work and can add value back to the traditional consumer. But I'm just kind of curious your take on that and, and how's everything going with the launch in general? Yeah, it's 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 going well. Uh, thank you uh, for asking. Obviously, we've had the you know the webbase.com presence for quite some time in the marketplace, and now moved into uh, app form. I mean, I to me, I think about it as incrementality, right? Shopper, the consumer is going to want to shop in in many different ways, and who are we to dictate how the consumer wants to shop? And if they want to go directly to their retailer and the menu page, that's awesome. We're going to give them a best in class product for shopping and you know, serve rele uh, relevant ads to them and, and and make the conversion really easy. If they're a consumer that wants to go through a marketplace, uh, we want to make that a wonderful shopping experience as well with reviews and, you know, recommendations and um, serving up all the different products. And, you know, for the retailers, it's about incrementality, right? Uh, we want to bring as many shoppers to their retailer environments. And so even if you're coming to the Jane app, you're purchasing through uh, our retailer partners and we're, and we're driving them through that funnel and they're getting delivery or they're going to that dispensary to pick up the product. So it's just about giving consumers choice and and, and making sure that the, we're meeting the consumer uh, in the place they wanna, wanna be met to shop successfully for the industry. And I didn't I didn't ask this beforehand to, to preface to let you uh, look this up, but I'm just curious, kind of your so it might be off of some data you've looked at recently or just a little bit of some instinct. But I'm kind of curious from your perspective of the online consumer um, is is your feeling that that online consumer I know it's going to be a mix of both, but do you feel like it skews more towards the experienced consumer or the or the inexperienced consumer that's using online platforms to order cannabis? You know, it's uh, it's both. <laughs> it really, it really is both. I, I don't know that it's uh, about their experience in the industry. I, I think just it's their experience with shopping in general. There, there's a cohort of consumers that are purchasing everything online and expect everything to be at their foot, you know, fingertips. And then there's other people who want to go and experience the uh, retail environment. Obviously, it does. If you know what you're going to buy and and you don't want to. Uh, you want a quick, efficient trip through that dispensary. Ordering online and picking up is a very easy way to do it. Um, but you know, I I think it's a little bit of everybody. You know, and it's situational. Sometimes I order online. Sometimes I'm in the car going past the dispensary and I drop drop in the dispensary. So uh, I think it's quickly becoming almost like this ubiquitous thing that everybody uses both channels. Yeah, and I've noticed from working hands-on with retailer clients, like if 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 they do a good job tracking their data, and it's never, you know, perfect, but tracking the data of the in-store consumers in terms of where they where they originated from, how they heard of them, hey, the special you came in to grab, did you see it in store? You see it in an advertisement? Do you see it on Weed Maps? Wherever, um, understanding that in-store data and matching it up with the online data, you can you can see the the progress, right? And and I what we what I've found at least personally is 
obviously there's a ton more people that leverage online and then still shop indoor, but right. They look at the menu before they go in, whether it's trying to find what products are available, looking at the specials, learning a little bit more about the strain. I know something that Jane's done really well is having those verified reviews so you can trust it's not some Fugazi stuff going on, right. Of going and seeing what people are actually saying about the products. And I think that the e-com marketplace, I think we often overlook um, when I talk to, you know, retailers, they're always like looking at online conversions, which is great. You should be looking at that. You should always be working on that. But I think there's also this step, this other step of just whether it's the optics on a brand in general, or just educating the consumer base, right? Like the, the a website or just digital, an app, anything digital, right? Serves as, as a basis for conversion one, but it also serves as so much more. And, and in my opinion, I think probably at least three to, you know, I don't know, I'm throwing complete numbers out there, but maybe three to six, three to six X more people are going to look at something in the digital format and then go convert in person where you lose that conversion in the data, but it's important to have your menu looking proper, um, that, that information on there. And so when you guys are working with retailers, what is it that you guys work with to ensure that they have like the best, uh, online or digital merchandising with, with their menu system? Yeah. So a lot of that comes back to, uh, you know, the technology that's been built at Jane over the last couple of years, and, and we call that the content catalog. But, you know, I, one of the biggest pain points in the industry right now is like this lack of product standardization or, you know, if, if you were in, in CPG, you'd call it the UPC code, right? There is no standard code across all products. So, you know, if you're can, you know, if you're the grapefruit, rosemary uh, can product, Every dispensary may input you in their POS or code you as a completely different product, different name, different uh, spelling, different whatever that might be. So we've been working hard to build what we call the content catalog. I think it's up over 1.5 million SKUs right now. It has, you know, spelling, product shot, um, you know, everything from dosing to description, all of that is standardized. And every Jane partner has that content catalog standardized across, you know, every dispensary, their online menus, our marketplace. And so that's really step one is a lot of people can't even track like what they were looking on online to mm -hmm. was that bought in store. And so standardizing that catalog is probably one of the most important things we bring to our partners in our industry right now, because it has effect on inventory. It has effect on the media business that we're building for brands on, on top of it. Um, attribution, obviously. And so that's really for us been step one is how do we just make sure we're standardizing what that product is, how that product is referenced, the description, the reviews associated, everything uh, in a standardized single individual catalog uh, across the whole industry. That's, that's doing the Lord's work again, again working from retailers, uh, some other companies that, uh, you know, I'm not going to throw them under the bus publicly, but there was another one that we were digging through, uh, um, the other day and it was just, you know, I don't, it wasn't the fault of the retailer, but the brand had like the description, the product description and the product title both mention like the weight, you know, like one said seven grams, one said 3.5 grams. And I was going through their menu and I was like, why? Like, this is so confusing. Customers are having, like, I, I know what I, I know way more than the average consumer. And I'm like, what is this a quarter? Is it an eighth? I'm confused at what, 
what these products are supposed to be. So I, we, we really appreciate you guys doing the work. Yeah, I mean, we've gone so far as we, we have a we have a self-service portal that brand our brand partners go in, you know, uh, whether wherever they are, whatever brand, whatever in category they're in, anything, they can go in, they can standardize their catalog. We have a team that can help them do it. We can lock that catalog. Like there's so many options. And then we also have the AI built of how that's going to change by state, how it has to be reflected state by state on different menus, what the packaging is going to look like state by state. And so it's a pretty streamlined, seamless experience. And it's, we've had so many brand partners, uh, you know, just say how, how valuable that is because they can put that in there once and then they're going to show up on every, everywhere that they're in stock, they're going to be standard or, eyes across all of those menus uh, just by updating this self-service portal. So we're trying to make it pretty seamless for the industry. Mm. And with, you know, working with brands, right? Like the, the lack of advertising options in cannabis versus non-cannabis is a huge talking point. You know, personally as a marketer, I hear people complain about Instagram, you know, all day. I don't know why people are so fascinated with something that doesn't love them. I probably sound like a broken record at this point. <laughs> I've said that a lot. Um, you know, if, if it was in, if it was in a, a relationship with between two people, if someone did not love you that much and you were so fascinated with you, everybody in your life would be telling you to stay away from that person. <laughs> not enough people in cannabis are telling people to just leave Instagram alone or at least check, you know, stop putting so much emotion and energy into it. Um, and I always challenge those people that complain about that. You know, a lot of them don't even have uh, a background in Instagram or online advertising. So I don't think they understand, even if they could do paid advertising on there, I don't know how effective it would be working with whether it's Jane or someone similar to Jane, right? You have the only consumers that are on that online border or on the app are cannabis consumers. Uh, mm -hmm. I mean, sure, maybe there's a couple can of curious people looking to be educated or learn, but the vast majority of people are consumers. And they're not only just consumers, they're likely have cash in hand ready to make a conversion, right? And there's very, very, very few places to advertise, market, or reach consumers that have that are a guaranteed cannabis consumer that have cash in hand ready to make a conversion. So I'm kind of curious how, how you work with brands in that space through through media buys and, and advertising through the platform? Yeah, so we we try to keep it really simple. So everything you said, right? So people are coming to dispensary menus. We have this huge network of dispensary menus. We have a marketplace. They're coming there to make purchases and, and learn about new items. And so we give brands the ability to just put their products at the top of the menu. We call it sponsored grows, right? You, you may have seen it in, in other large marketplaces and on other menus. We also have placements inside the category. So, you know, inline uh, first placement card in those categories they can buy. We have product pages uh, that they can advertise on. There'll be new placements coming out in, in the future. And, and it's really just about consideration, right? Get there in front of the consumer, make sure you're part the top of the page and then conversion. Uh, you know, we see three to five X uh, sales lift from, from these types of campaigns. Cause like you said, people are in market, they're ready to purchase. Also, we do a lot of work around machine learning and things like that to make sure we're serving up the right items to the right people. And lastly, be, our technology is we're only showing up when that item is in stock. So there's mm -hmm. no wasted dollars, right? So you go to a menu page, we're going to highlight products that are relevant for you as a consumer. It's definitely in stock. And so that, that's a way for brands to just make sure they're getting in front of the right people 
right at right at the point of conversion. And we've tried to build build it as a win 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 for the industry. And by that I mean like consumers show up on these pages, they're given relevant advertising. They're given relevant merchandising of items that they would like and, and may want to try. That's a great experience for the consumer. From a brand perspective, awareness, consideration, you know, conversion. And then from a retailer perspective, we uh, do rev shares on, on all the ad programs there. So it's a great way for them to make incremental money, as well as a lot of these programs drive basket size. And so we're really just trying to make this you know, create this network and ecosystem where we're moving product, increasing velocity for our brand partners, and everybody wins uh, th through the ecosystem. The other thing that we work so hard on is um, attribution, right? Like that's a huge pain point in this industry right now. A lot of it is because there's no standardization on the content catalog and things like that. So when you run these programs, you get media metrics like you you know click through rate number of impressions share of voice things like that that a lot of other platforms may or may not share out but because we're tracking at that individual item level we at the end of these campaigns can also tell you how many products you sold um you know total sales of that campaign roi um long-term value of that customer customer acquisition cost you know sales all the way down to add individual retailers. How much velocity did the campaign move? Uh, what retailers are performing better for you mm. from a media perspective? And like, this is the most margin compressed industry I've ever seen in my life. And so, you know, uh, brands need to understand every dollar that they put out in marketing, What what is that re return on investment? And so we're working really hard to really push what attribution should and can mean uh in the industry i love that because i mean what marketing and advertising I, I always you know i always try i mean there's a lot of ways i do it but jen summarize one of the many ways i summarize it is like you know you're it's an attempt right marketing and advertising is always going to be attempt it doesn't matter how experienced or educated you are um you know, it's always, there's always the AB test, right? And there's always a room for improvement. And most, most of the time it's like, you could AB test something until the end of your life. You just finally get to a point where you're like, all right, that's not worth it. We'll focus on something else or, Hey, let's continually further double down on something. So I love that having that attribution and being able to understand what's working, what's working better as you can run a campaign and then your next campaign, you can refine, Hey, let's cut these regions out. Let's cut these retailers out. Let's exclude these products or focus in on these SKUs or these offerings. Um, do you feel like brands are, are taking a look at that data and putting it into, into action? Um, or is it still like, you know, one of the, one of the big points that I see in this industry is, uh, bandwidth, you know, it's any, any, any one of us, any one of our, uh, us that are in the startup phase or in this industry, we, I think we could all, uh, benefit from increased bandwidth, but you feel like brands are, are able to take this data, actualize it and leverage it right now? I think they are. I think, um, you know, it, the entry point of that, right. There, there's a lot of brands that don't have tons of resources or tons of time. Uh, so just getting a report back at the end saying, Hey, I put a dollar in it returned this much ROI is really helpful to justify. Should I be spending and how many items I move all the way up to brands that are using this data in a really sophisticated way. Like when we talk to them to say, Hey, we turned on this campaign. These are the retail locations that drove more and there's more velocity. 
that's not just a marketing conversation. That's a sales and trade conversation to say, holy cow, this footprint of retailers is super sensitive to different marketing levers I can pull. I better make sure I'm aiming my supply chain over there to first make sure I have product there. And second, you know, these are these are great partners of ours. And how do we support them? And knowing that they're sensitive, why? Is it the concentration of consumers? Is it the way they're merchandising me? Right. And so there's tons of learning. It's a matter of how deep you want, want to go with those. And, and we're trying to train our team to say, just be solution oriented and deep partners to these brands. We, you know, we, we want to work with the small ones, the big ones, everybody, and we want everyone to win. And so how do we translate those insights for the campaigns to make sure that they are they can help drive our partner's business and spend the extra time to say, hey, you should be looking at it this way. Like we're really trying to become pretty consultative around that and not just be a media partner. We're, all, we're also in the e-commerce and velocity and sales. And we want to be able to, you know, make sure that we're sharing those types of insights with our partners. I like that, especially on the on the brand level, marketing in tandem with sales. That's such an important like intersection um, again, be, being a third party, uh, marketer myself in this industry, right. That's working with brands. I found the most success in understanding, like being able to communicate the sales value of marketing. I found that a lot of brands, even the enter the conversation that want to do B to C, whoever's cutting the checks, whoever the decision maker is, it's somehow somewhere filters up to how can we get on more shelves? Or how can we do better sell through on shelves, which obviously is the B2C component. But when they can understand and actualize a marketing spend translated to how that affects sales, that's when I think these brands really start to get it and really start to double down on things. So I'm glad you mentioned that. And I hope brands out there are understanding that they have that this type of tool in in a potential tool in, the, in their bag. Because like you said, if you understand, wow, maybe e-commerce wise, we're selling really well at these accounts and we haven't been doing so well, maybe without that added lift, then that means something needs to shift. Maybe it's the mer in-store merchandising. Maybe it's, hey, we're crowded on the shelf or packaging or whatever our offering blends in too much and we're not standing out the way we are online, right? It starts to uncover these further questions of how we can be, how we can not only be successful with this marketing, but also kind of internalize that and be overall successful in general as a brand. A hundred percent. And also like, what is the purchase cycle of my customer? And what is the acquisition cost to bring in a new user? And is there a long-term value of them, right? Like you start to understand how people are shopping your products on a, on a much deeper level and who are the right audiences to go after, you know, are some kind of short-term consumers versus other long-term consumers? Are there what else is in the basket? What, what else are, are people shopping? Are there, you know, if I'm buying pre-rolls, am I also buying edibles? Or like, what, you know, how does this all work together? And what does that mean for me as a company and a brand as I think about my products? We're, we're deeply fascinated by that and, you know, having those conversations every day. No, and that's impactful on the retail level to understand, right? Like something that's been in, in working in traditional retail before. And again, I'm using traditional as anything that's not cannabis uh, outside of cannabis retail. And can, I'm really trying to break the habit. I, I, anything outside of <laughs> cannabis retail and cannabis retail is that there are in what's missing in cannabis retail is that like understanding that upsell. Some people do a great job at this. Um, I, I talk to GMs and people at stores all the time to do a great job of this, but having those, you know, if it's in person, right, having those smaller 
hey, I'm at, I'm checking out. Oh, just throw it in the bag, right? Your 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 packs of gum, your candy bars at the grocery store, right? Yeah, just yeah. throw it in there. Understanding these traditional retail practices that that are able to be put into cannabis, but what, what you guys are doing when it's looking at that data in terms of e-commerce, that's when you can take it to a whole nother level when you're able to make product recommendations based on I'm throwing this in the cart. Hey, would you like to throw this as well? Right. Like that's a common thing across e-commerce that for retailers helps increase that basket size. Right. And increase that increase that customer attention, because if I'm getting recommendations based on my purchase behavior, I'm likely to engage in them. Right. I'm not being served cold. It's not a cold ad. Right. I'm served something that I'm, I'm interested with. And there's a much higher level of engagement with that. Yeah, for sure. And there's so many new people coming to our industry, right? And, and like, a lot of people aren't well, most people. And, you know, unless you're you deeply understand kind of what you're shopping for, most people aren't that brand loyal, right? And they're, they're promiscuous across all these different brands, they want to, they want to try new things like that. That's part of the fun of our category right now. And so if a retailer can serve up things that are incredibly relevant to that consumer, I think they're going to create loyalty from that consumer because they're going to have a great experience, and, you know, and it's going to be relevant. It's going to be fun. It's going to be interesting. And it's everything shopping should be. And, um, you know, c- continue that conversation on, on just that, that, the advertising avenues through you guys. So if I'm a retailer, I, I know I can customize my menu based on, you know, however I want to, whether a flower category wise, mm-hmm. brand wise, and then do these retailers leave like towards the top, the, there's a section for advertisers and they can kind of opt in and opt out on that. Or how does that process usually work? On, on yeah. It's a sponsor grow and a retailer could either choose to opt in to carry, carry that type of, uh, you know, merchandising on top or in their inline category ads or, 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 or they don't have, you know, they can opt out, but if they opt in, they, they take a revenue share on it and, and it's, it can be tens of thousands of dollars a month for, for some of our big retail partners. So, um, you know, it's, it, it's a great relationship and, um, you know, we're fascinated with what are those units and those ad units that can even drive more incrementality for the retailers of the future. And are these and these are popping up on uh, browser and app, correct? Yep. yep. Yeah. Yeah. And then there's there's not a, there's not a lot of, you know, back to that, the, the advertising op- avenues for brands. There's not a lot of those. And then adding those cl- collaborative marketing opportunities between brand and retail. That's something that we're big to preach on, whether it's a retailer, lean on your, 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 you know, your top performing brands or brands that want to get in your store. You, you, you hold a little bit of leverage, right. To not rake, rake them over the coals, but like, let's create, let's work together. And with the goal of, we want to increase our revenue. You want to increase your revenue. We have to sell your product to increase our revenue. Like if there's a, a give and a take on both sides, right? We're creating a marriage where we're able to, to grow both entities. Yeah. And get smarter about each other's business, right? And, and, and mutually help each other. And by the way, help the consumer too, because we're, you know, you're giving them relevant, ad, relevant uh, products to try. So yeah, it's really all about just making sure that retailers, brands, consumers are all winning and, you know, uh, we're growing the industry. And across the different SKUs, um, in terms of this merchandising, this advertising op- opportunity, do you feel like, and you said you see an increase in conversion, does that kind of oscillate a little bit between what type of product, like what product type someone's offering? Like, is that more advantageous in edibles versus flour or, or is it pretty similar across the board? You know, it depends. I mean, there are so many variables. What's really 
interesting about this industry is there's so many differences between stores, between product assortment, between state, <laughs> right? So it, like to, to come up with these standard things, we keep trying to get to benchmarks and things like that, but there's just so many nuances uh, in this industry. Yeah, results do vary um, by category and, and we talk about that right away. And then different placements on the menus, your top of menu that is more about awareness, reaching everybody at the menu. Then if you're down in the category, those are people that you know are category buyers, right? And that, you know, it's less about total, in, um, you know, cannabis exploration and more about exploration within the category. And so because of that, we, we look at it different ways too. We have different pricing models. Top of menu is more awareness type pricing where inline is down on performance pricing on cost right. per click and things like that. And so we're trying to be very thoughtful of why you use each different placement on the menu, what your brand objectives are, and then also kind of, you know, the ROI and, and how you're going to pay for that. And it, it's all solution based on what, what you're trying to achieve. Is it just awareness? Is it a deeper funnel conversion? What is that? Uh, what is that objective? And let's build the plan together. Data driven solutions, man. What what else? Uh, what else is Jane? Obviously, the app the app launched this this year. What what's Jane got up his sleeve for twenty twenty three that that you can leak, or is it all tight lip right now? No, we're doing. We're we're starting to you know think about are there solutions off the platform to drive incrementality back into these menu pages where we know there's conversion and you know a lot of those solutions are similar, right? There's a lot of players out there that do that. Results are marginal. I think I think where we play in that space is, again, insights, learnings, attribution. If people come to our, um, from any media into our environment, we can start to tell brands and retailers, are, are they new shoppers? Uh, are they lap shoppers? Are they loyal shoppers? You know, how do those different segments convert? Are you driving true incrementality? So we're really leaning on just how do we bring more information more learnings, more results uh, to the industry based on actual uh, sales conversion. So, you, so you're going to see more of a, us trying to bring more knowledge, more understanding uh, to more media resources, and you know, and lots of other stuff up up the Jane sleeve uh, in 2023. And uh, we're just looking forward to continuing to create safe access to the plant. Man, I, I love that. I appreciate your time today, Tom. For people out there that want more information, iHeartJane.com or what's what's the name in the in the app store? Is it just Jane, Jane right? Under yeah, Jane. just look for the Jane app. It's iOS only right now. We're waiting for Google to get into the cannabis game, but uh, you know, if you're an iOS user, just look for the Jane app. We, we don't talk to people that don't have iPhones, man. They, they got other <laughs> issues that, that, <laughs> that I can't see past personally. No, I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> check that out if, if you're on iPhone. Uh, man, really appreciate you hopping on here. This is the North American Weed Tour. We are looking at the best in legal cannabis across the map. Um, I think we got one more episode coming this week, and then we're about to cap it at the end of the North American Weed Tour campaign. It's been a journey traveling around, interviewing great folks like Tom here. Uh, Tom, really appreciate your time. For everyone tuning in out there, subscribe, reach out. Uh, appreciate you guys.